Hey, good morning, y'all. Let's uh, spend some time in prayer before we open God's Word together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we believe. We've sung of it, and now we come to your Word to hear again the greatness and the glory of Jesus revealed to us in the Gospel. Father, that you would love us with an everlasting love, that you would send your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to save sinners. Jesus, at great expense to yourself, you would come to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost. And Father and Son, together you would send the Holy Spirit into your church to give us the desire and the power to follow Jesus and to be your witnesses to all the nations. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in this place, in this time, would you receive glory and praise and honor? Would you win the lost? That, Father, if there be any here this morning or watching online who have yet to hear the incredibly good news of the gospel, would you win the lost? And Jesus, would you build up your church that every believer here would, would hear afresh the greatness of the gospel and that it would find rich soil in our hearts, that it would grow up in us and we would bear much fruit. And Lord, there are people in this room who desire to be an answer to our prayer that you would send forth laborers into the harvest field. Lord, would you equip workers for your harvest field? Lord, would you multiply from this place for the nations, multiply disciple makers who could make disciples, who could make disciples until you come again, King Jesus. And may that all be to the praise of your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray through Christ. Amen. I'd invite you to take your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 9. There is a monastery in uh, Europe. The monastery is placed high, high, high up on a mountain. The only way to access the monastery is that those who visit the monastery have to sit in a basket. And the basket is pulled up by a rope. It's pulled up by monks up at the top of the mountain. And they pull people up in this basket. One day... A visitor came to the monastery, and he was sitting in the basket with one of the monks. And, and as he sat in the basket and he looked up at the rope, he noticed that the rope was a little bit tattered. The rope seemed like it was about to break. He started getting a little concerned. He said to the monk who was in the basket with him, he said, how often do you all replace the rope? He said, well, we wait till it breaks. Don't let your rope break. Listen, some of you are here this morning and you're holding on by a thread. You're looking up and you're saying, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold. Listen, you won't. But I have good news for you this morning. The good news is that Jesus Christ has done everything necessary to make you beautiful to God. What you're going to learn this morning, if you'll stay with me, is that Jesus Christ has lived the beautiful life. He's done it for you. Most of us, when we, when we think about the gospel, most of us think about the cross, and rightly so. There is nothing like the cross. 
where Jesus Christ became our sin bearer. But I don't want you to forget this morning. I want you to know this morning when you leave that Jesus Christ has lived the beautiful life for you. Jesus Christ has secured for you what your heart needs, a righteousness. You say, what does that mean? It means that when God looks at you, if you're a Christian, when God looks at you, he sees the perfection, the beauty of his son, Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ, through his life, has racked up for you a record of righteousness and he offers to clothe you with it. Yes, you, even you. But you don't have to visit a monastery. You don't have to take a vow of poverty. You don't have to work your fingers to the bone to create a record of righteousness for yourself. It's offered to you as a gift. You say, well, I'm not that kind of person. I mean, I'm not really a religious person. Really? You're not that kind of person? You're not a religious person? Listen, what does your heart do when you open your Facebook page? When you open your Instagram feed? What does your heart do? Doesn't your heart do exactly the same thing that my heart does? Check out your likes. See how you're doing. See what people are saying about your photo. Doesn't your heart long for righteousness? Isn't your heart looking for affirmation and approval? Yes, it is. And if you continue to look for affirmation and approval from anything other than Jesus Christ, eventually it'll let you down. Listen, it's March. And so many of you in the marketplace, you're starting to look at your numbers. It's now been two months. It's the third month of the year and you're manager is starting to ask you questions. How's it going? And if your heart is toenailed to the performance that you have in the marketplace for your security, then you're looking at a tattered rope. Moms and dads, how are your kids doing? How's that virtual education? How's school? We're coming up on spring break. Progress reports are going home. Is your heart undone? Or is your heart toenailed into Jesus? Because if you live your life for the performance of your kids as your righteousness, they're not big enough. They're not designed for that. Toenail your heart into Jesus. Jesus Christ has lived the beautiful life for you. Jesus Christ has secured a righteousness for you. We're going to walk through Exodus chapter 9, and I'm praying that you'll leave here this morning grateful, glorying in, worshiping, filled with wide-eyed wonder at the beautiful life that Jesus has lived for you, and that you would go to follow Jesus to live the beautiful life too. Exodus chapter 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and speak to him. Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go 
that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will come with a very severe pestilence on your livestock which are in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the herds, on the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing will die of all that belongs to the Son of Israel. The Lord set a definite time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died. But of the livestock of the sons of Israel, not one died. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not even one of the livestock of Israel dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Now, we haven't spoken about this yet, I don't think, as we've been walking through these plagues. But look in verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and speak to him. Now, God has armed Pharaoh with a staff, and God has been working through, he's armed Moses with a staff, and he's been working through Moses to reveal his glory and his power, that he's greater than all the gods of Egypt. But every time Moses goes to Pharaoh, God gives Moses words. God says, speak. Speak to Pharaoh. God invites us. God invites us to use words, to take the word of the cross, the word of the gospel, the word of the righteousness of Jesus, the very word of God. We're called to take words with us and go out into the world to share a verbal witness, to share the bad news and the good news and invite people to respond by placing their faith in Jesus Christ. And what I'm urging you again and again and again is to say yes to the greatest enterprise ever given in the world, the work of the church. That's your work to go as witnesses in the power of the Holy Spirit to tell others the bad news and the good news and invite them to respond. And this week we celebrate that one person put their trust in Jesus Christ because someone from our church shared the word, shared a verbal witness, and that person responded. And we say, thank you, thank you, thank you to Jesus. <clears throat> Moses goes to Pharaoh and he speaks to him the word. And the word is the same that he's been saying, let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them, the hand of the Lord will come with a very severe pestilence. We saw last week, the magician said, this is none other than the finger of God. Now, God says through Moses, I'm coming not with a finger, but with a hand. I'm coming to bring pestilence. And I'm coming to bring a distinction between those who are a part of my people and those who remain stiff-necked, rebellious, and against my people. Those that you are leading astray, Pharaoh. And so it happens. Just as God has promised, all the 
cattle of Egypt that are left in the field die by this pestilence, but not one, not one of all the livestock of Israel is killed. Verse 8, then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take for yourselves handfuls of soot from a kiln and let Moses throw it toward the sky in the sight of Pharaoh and it will become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and will become boils breaking out with sores on man and beast through all the land of Egypt. So they took salt from a kiln and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it toward the sky, and it became boils, breaking out with sores on man and beast. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians, as well as in all the Egyptians. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not listen to them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Moses takes soot. He goes to a kiln where they had been baking bricks and he takes soot out of that kiln. The place where God, the place where Pharaoh had tried to oppress and discourage and defeat and destroy Israel. These kilns, the place of defeat is now going to become a place of deliverance. This place where Pharaoh had said, let me show you my power. My power is so great, I will tell you, you have to go and get straw for your own bricks and bake them in your ovens to build these uh, storehouses for all of my stuff. This place of defeat, Moses goes and he takes soot. And he carries it into Pharaoh's presence and he throws it to the sky and it becomes fine dust. And through that, Pharaoh is defeated. And it points to Jesus Christ, who in living a beautiful life for you, went to a place of Roman power and Roman authority and Roman control over the people of Israel and on a place of defeat and shame and discouragement and oppression, Jesus Christ was willing to hang on a cross for your freedom, for your deliverance. Just as the kiln, the place of oppression becomes the place of deliverance, the cross stands for you as the place where the beautiful one was willing to become sin in your place so that you could become the righteousness of God through him. The place of ultimate defeat in the world's eyes became the place of your salvation, the place of your deliverance, the place of your redemption, the place where you are set free. You see that? God takes a shameful place and allows it to become a place where he is at work to deliver his people. 
Verse 13, then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you and your servants and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For if by now I had put forth my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this reason, I have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power, in order to proclaim my name through all the earth. Still, you exalt yourself against my people by not letting them go. Pharaoh has a hard heart. But Pharaoh also has a high heart. And the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, humbles every heart that will come to Christ must come with a humble heart. You can't come to Christ with a proud heart. It doesn't work that way. Grace flows downhill into the life of people who realize they have no righteousness. They have no nothing to present to God except for what God would give to us. The gospel comes to lost sinners who know they have no hope of escape from the wrath of God except through the cross of Christ where the one righteous man became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Grace flows downhill Grace hasn't flowed to Pharaoh because he continues to have a proud heart, a rebellious heart, a high heart. And the gospel will not let us share glory with God. The gospel will not let us share in the glory of our salvation with our own good works. If the gospel were only that Jesus has made a down payment for eternal life, and you and I have to keep up the note by living a good life, then that's no gospel at all. But the gospel is this, that Jesus Christ has lived the beautiful life for you and for me, and he will not share the glory of salvation with us. We don't contribute anything to our salvation except our need of it. God says, I will be glorified in your midst by being your Savior and your Savior alone. If you're looking for a partnership, don't look to Christ. But if you're looking to someone who can get you safely to God, giving you both righteousness and forgiveness of sin, then look to Christ. Because he alone can give you what your heart needs both as your sin bearer and as your righteousness. And he does it to the praise of his glory. And he offers it to all who would believe. Verse 18, Behold, about this time tomorrow I will send a very heavy hail, such as not been seen in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now therefore send... Bring your livestock and whatever you have in the field to safety. Every man and beast that is found in the field and is not brought home, when the hail comes down on them, will die. 
the one among the servants of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord made his servants and his livestock flee into the houses. But he who paid no regard to the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Now the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky that hail may fall on the land of Egypt, on man and on beast and on every plant of the field throughout the land of Egypt. Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very severe. Such has not been done, uh, such has not been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck all that was in the field through all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. The hail also struck every plant of the field and shattered every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the sons of Israel were, there was no hail. There is a way of escape in Christ alone. There is a way of righteousness offered to you. There is a way to have a standing before God that is full and complete and beautiful. Jesus Christ is our beauty before God. He offers you a place of safety. He offers you a place of security. Look to Him. If you have looked to Him, then God has chosen to treat Jesus with your sin and your punishment on the cross. But God has offered you, credited to you, His righteousness received by faith so that when God looks at you, He sees you in the perfect beauty and righteousness of Christ alone. It's yours. And there are some even among Egypt, who have believed the word of the Lord. They have brought their servants in from the field. They've brought their livestock in from the field. And they're safe in the midst of this hailstorm. This storm as, if, as no other storm had ever been. Ice and fire, lightning, thunder. This is an amazing storm. But there's a place of shelter for all who would heed the word of the Lord. This is an awful storm. But to all who would heed the word of the Lord, their safety, their security, and so it is with us today. There is a storm in the world, but there's a place of safety in Christ. And there's a place of safety in the church to all who would flee to Christ in the midst of the storms of life. Verse 27. Then Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is the righteous one, and I and my people are the wicked ones. Make supplication to the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail, and I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I go out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be hail no longer, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. Now the flax and the barley were ruined, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud. But the wheat and the spelt were not ruined, for they ripened late. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord, and the thunder and the hail ceased, and rain no longer poured 
on the earth. But when Pharaoh saw the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not let the sons of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. And as we saw last week, Pharaoh has a pained heart, but not a changed heart. And the difference between a person who continues to live by religion and a person who has trusted the gospel is that the person who has trusted the gospel has trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation, both as our sin-bearer and as our righteousness. Pharaoh is willing to look to the Lord to gain freedom from his wrath expressed in this hailstorm. But he doesn't want to trust God to provide for him. He will not relent to the wisdom and the plan of God in setting the people of Israel free from the land of Egypt. And so many people that I know are willing to trust Christ as their sin bearer, but not as their righteousness. And so they live their life always anxious, always worried, always wondering if they measure up. And all the while, God invites us to repent and believe the whole gospel. The gospel that says we're not only forgiven, but we're also righteous. The gospel demands of us that we stop trusting in our own righteousness and trust in the righteousness of Christ alone, credited to us by faith. The gospel says, cheer up. You are way worse than you could ever imagine. The gospel says, cheer up. You're far more loved than you could ever dream. Because I have loved you so much, I've been willing to give Christ as your sin bearer on the cross, but I've also given Christ for your beautiful life. Look to Jesus Christ. He is your beautiful life. He is your righteousness. And we all need righteousness. We all need righteousness. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul tells the church at Philippi, of where he found his righteousness. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says, my hope is built on the righteousness of Christ and his work on the cross for me, that Jesus Christ has lived the beautiful life. He's done it all. He's secured my righteousness. He's secured my forgiveness. Has he done it for you? We need righteousness. The bad news of the gospel is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know what that means? It means that none of us has a righteousness that we can present to God that meets his standard. None of us has a righteousness that meets the standard of the glory of God. We all have flawed righteousness. All of us have righteousness filled with holes. 
But Jesus Christ has lived the beautiful life. And God says, if you'll put your trust in me, I will credit you with the righteousness of Jesus, the standing of Jesus, the security of Jesus, the identity of Jesus. When I look at you, I will see you as my beloved son, and you will stand before me securely and completely, having the righteousness of Jesus credited to your account. Our part is to believe, to admit, I have no righteousness of my own, To believe, Jesus, I believe you're my righteousness. To commit, Jesus, I want to go your way. I want to follow you. And so Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says in the words of of the hymn, weary, working, burdened one, wherefore toil you so? Cease your doing. All was done. Long, long ago, cast your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him, in him alone, gloriously complete. Have you? Have you laid your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet? Oh, be reminded. Christian, be reminded that your righteousness, your acceptance with God is not based on your doing but on your believing in Christ alone as he's offered in the gospel. And if you've believed on Jesus, then Philippians 3.10 tells you what's next, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings becoming conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. To all who have placed their trust in Christ, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me into the beautiful life. Not to make yourself beautiful, but because you are beautiful. Not to make yourself acceptable, but because you are accepted. Follow me, Jesus says. And there is nothing better than for someone to say, he, she is a follower of Jesus. Are you? Are you a follower of Jesus who would be willing to say yes to trusting the Father? Imagine Moses. Moses, for nine months, has been going head to head with the most powerful leader in all the world. He's been going toe to toe with Pharaoh. This Moses, who had lived 40 years of his life on the backside of nowhere, shepherding sheep, now is in the presence of the most powerful political ruler in all the world. And Moses is going with nothing, but thus says the Lord. And Moses looks around and he sees this incredible devastation that God is bringing on Pharaoh. He's seeing their economy in crumbles and in ruins. He's seeing all the suffering that is taking place. And Moses must have been saying, God, what are you doing? Eventually, Pharaoh is going to have enough. And he's going to just destroy all of us. And God keeps sending him back and sending him back and sending him back because he has the promise that through this work of the gospel, through this work of deliverance, he is going to lead his people out of Egypt to the promised land. Pharaoh, Moses, trusts the Father. Moses trusts the Father. 
And we are invited to trust the Father that the good news of the gospel is true of us. And when we trust the Father, he invites us to speak the gospel. To speak the gospel, to win the lost, and to build believers. Just as Jesus said, I have given you, I've given them your word. And the world has hated them. Christian, when you proclaim the word to win the lost and build believers, you will find yourself, like Moses, in this terrible position of being hated by the world. But do not give up hope. Be bold. Be courageous. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Because God has ordained the message of the gospel to save some God has ordained the message of the gospel, and God is at work in the world. We saw evidence of that this week. Verse 20, the one among the servants of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord made his servants and his livestock flee into the houses. But he who paid no regard to the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. When you proclaim the word of the Lord, the gospel, to win the lost and to build believers, there will be some who will put their trust in Jesus Christ. They'll look to Christ for safety and security. People will be won to faith. They will. And you can find refuge in the church to help you and encourage you and strengthen you and equip you. Because just as Eve Israel found refuge in the land of Goshen. Jesus Christ offers you, his people, a place of refuge within the church for the task of being equipped and supported and prayed for and helped because we're desperately needy people. We need the good news of the gospel to be preached to us week after week, and we're needed people. God invites us to be a part of his team to take the gospel to the world so that people would hear and respond and say yes to following Jesus. And where is the power source for this great work? It's in the Holy Spirit. That it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the desire and the power to do life and ministry with and for Jesus. It's the work of the Holy Spirit alone. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You sit in your basket and you look up and you see the tattered rope. May the God of peace fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Not in trying harder, in believing that you might abound in hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's power at work within us to give us the desire and the power to follow Jesus into the beautiful life. The power is not in you. The power is in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants us to believe the whole gospel that Jesus Christ has gone to the cross for you and that Jesus Christ lived a righteous life that he credits to you by faith. So hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. For he is your righteousness and your sin bearer. And he will give you salvation as you put your trust in him. Have you? Won't you? Let's pray. Jesus, 
Help us. Help us to believe the whole gospel. That Jesus, you are both our sin bearer, but you're also our righteousness. That the thing that our hearts long for, to have a a security, a standing, a righteousness before you, we can receive from Christ. That there might be none here who stands before you dressed in anything other than the righteousness of Christ received by faith. That we might be found in Christ having a righteousness not of our own that comes through obedience to your commands, but the righteousness that is from Christ on the basis of faith. Oh, Jesus, thank you that you've lived a beautiful life for us. And that you offer your beauty, your righteousness to us by faith. And Jesus, if there, if there are any here who have never received your righteousness, and your forgiveness, then won't you go to Christ now? Won't you admit, Jesus, I have no righteousness. Jesus, I believe that you have lived a righteous life for me and gone to the cross to bear my sin for me. Jesus, I believe you rose again and you offer me eternal life. Come into my life as Savior and Lord. And Jesus, if you'd give me your Holy Spirit, I'll follow you all the days of my life. Help me become the person you want me to be. Holy Spirit, what would you say to your church this morning? What would you say to the Christians gathered in this place? Would you speak now? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may all of our lives be for your glory and praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.